It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. Getting your week started right, it is pushing the limits, coming your way, KSHP, Las Vegas, AM 1400, and streaming across the world wide web on every outlet you can imagine, from Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and more, normally. I'm Chris in for Brian Shapiro, still a little bit under the weather. Unless you see a little bit of Shap's uh, social media posts and stuff over the weekend. But no, he's still banged up a little bit. So he'll be back tomorrow. And I'm sure he's going to have an opportunity to reflect on a number of things that have uh, transpired in the three days since we last were with you folks on Friday. Because that's the deal, right? On Monday, there's always stuff to, to bounce around, to chime in, to talk about regarding... This past weekend, and there's uh, that is exactly the case again this Monday, as we had a number of things both in the world of politics and the world of entertainment, and of course in the world of sports, which is you know what is focused on here on PTL Vegas. And you can find us all over social media and out of the web at PTL Vegas. Subscribe to the page on YouTube and follow us on all of uh, your favorite social media. Outlets. The phone number is 702-221-7283. If you'd like to give us your opinions, we always do appreciate it. We Look, we're opinionated. That's the deal. Brian Shapiro, you know him. I mean, he's he's not Brian Shapiro's not one to walk away from a little battle, walk away from a little spat. Not afraid to give his opinion, as am I. Now look. I myself approach things a little bit differently. Than Brian does. That's no secret. Those of you that uh, know both of us or have heard us on the air and heard us discuss things on the air, you know that's the deal. And today we're going to be jumping into a lot of stuff. Everything from the latest reaction to the passing of a basketball icon, Bill Russell, former Boston Celtic, former USF college player, and a man that had many talents and was very much involved across the board, not just in sports. We talk about this all the time as far as athletes. There's athletes that, yes, they're going to be known for their exploits on the field, on the court, in their arena. But there's also athletes that are much more than that. Athletes that get involved, that have many facets to their personality, and that have many Abilities, And Bill Russell was one of those guys. And so when someone like this passes, yes, we reflect on what they're able to do in the, in, in the sports world. And we talk about their accomplishments and championships. And Bill Russell, you know, for what it's worth, might be the ultimate champion ever in professional team sports in the United States. The man played 13 seasons in the NBA. Won 11 championships. 
went to the NBA Finals 12 times in his career. Also was you know ultra successful in his high school career and of course his high college career at USF, where he won two national championships at USF. So there's no question that Bill Russell is going down, and he's constantly, always talked about in the top five as far as the top five basketball players of all time. Rank him where you will. I have him probably around three or four, but, and that's generally where most people that know basketball will put him. But his impact is, was felt just as much off the court as it was on the court. And so we're going to dive into that as well. We also had a chance to see, and Brian posted this on social media yesterday, kind of the contrast that we have between the two, both the former president in 2016 and the current president as well. And their reactions to when one another had COVID-19. And it's going to be interesting, to say the least, to see the difference between those two reactions by both President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. So I'm going to get into that, and it's going to kind of lead into my little C-win rant regarding the political discourse in this country over the past five, six, seven years, and how much it's changed and how different it is, particularly when we're referring to the President of the United States and the Commander-in-Chief. So I'll get into that as well, too. also want to talk a little bit about the situation with Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema and the Democratic Party and the support for the New Deal that is going down or that is expected to go down that has been held up for months because of the obstruction, is the word I'll use, I guess, from the senator from West Virginia and the senator from Arizona and talk a little bit about that as well, too. So we'll dive into that. In hour number two, Tim Oglesby, he's the host from Heatwave Sports over on Fox Sports Radio, a show I join very often, get a chance to talk a ton of sports over there. In hour two, we're going to speak with him because a big-time breaking news type of situation happened today with Deshaun Watson, the new quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. His suspension came down from the appointed former judge who made the ruling in that case for the uh, multiple instances of sexual misconduct that Deshaun Watson was accused of and stands accused of. And by the way, to this day, he still maintains his complete innocence in any of this. Well, he's been suspended for six games by that former judge. And now the ball is in the NFL's court and Roger Goodell's court as to whether or not they're going to appeal that suspension. And so we're going to get into that with Tim Oglesby from Heatwave Sports. We're going to also talk a little bit about uh, Major League Baseball. And, of course, folks, we are just a matter of a few days away from the NFL preseason kicking off in Canton, Ohio. Hall of Fame game, always the first game of the preseason. Canton, Ohio, special place in Raider Nation's heart because Cliff Branch, the uh, recently passed away Cliff Branch, who was an unbelievable wide receiver back in the day in the uh, 60s, 70s, I think early 80s. I think he retired early 80s. I don't, I'm off the top of my head. I'm not, not really sure, but he's going into the Hall of Fame. So I'm going to talk a little bit with uh, 
Tim about that as well. And, of course, other developing stories regarding, look, Raiders-Jaguars kick off on Thursday night for preseason football. I get it. Okay, it's preseason. Yes, they're putting on the helmets. They're putting on the jerseys. But it's not for real. It's preseason. But still, you know football fans. They get rowdy. They get crazy. They get fired up when they get a chance to see their team on the field and get a chance to see their team play. So a lot to talk about today on your Monday. Again, the number is 702-221-7283 if you would like to chime in with your opinion. Thanks to Numchuck here along with me on your Monday as we power through until Brian Shapiro back on Tuesday. I brought it up. Bill Russell passing away at the age of 88. A monstrous figure in the world of the NBA. But I also talked about uh, how versatile this man was. It wasn't just him on the basketball court. It just wasn't him when it came to just trying to pile up stats and pile up championships. He wrote a crushingly pointed 1966 autobiography called Go Up for Glory. And that book, quite frankly, remains one of the best sports books ever written. Because you're talking about a guy who was brutally candid about his profession, about his teammates, about his coaches about the flat-out black experience in America. And it was published while he was still an active basketball star, right? You think about when athletes write autobiographies and when athletes actually sit down and take the time to reflect on their lives, it's obviously usually when they're retired. It's usually after they've already been playing and they have the time to kind of opine. And give the lowdown exactly what it is they've experienced. And to some extent, that makes sense, right? Because, hey, you've had a chance to live a little bit. You've had a chance to have a career. And in their case, it's a career as a professional athlete. And so you are just much more well-versed and well-prepared. Well, that wasn't the case. Bill Russell wrote this while he was still playing. And... It was basically a declaration of modesty from a man that that could have been boastful beyond all belief. But he talked about the black experience in America. And look, Bill Russell, when he was playing, particularly in the 60s, right, when the civil rights movement was in full force, he was a monster figure in that. He was one of those sports stars who was involved and who was doing things and was present in moments and in situations that are historic. And I'm talking about things like the assassination of Martin Luther King. right? I'm talking about things that went down in the late 60s that were instrumental in kind of shaping America from a civil rights standpoint. And so when he wrote the book, I mean, look, as I pointed out, it was a declaration of modesty, but it was also kind of a demand of, Basic respect. And you can talk about the numbers. Look, arguably one of the greatest athletes in the history of team sports. 11 titles, 13 seasons. But Bill Russell points out in his autobiography, his essential legacy, or what he would would love to have his legacy be, or what he prefer it to be, is his lifelong insistence on being rendered as a complete human being. 
with all rights, privileges, fears, and frailties. A man, nothing more. This is what he said, you know, we're talking about over five decades ago. He's still a young man. To be that self-aware, right? To kind of be have that focus. And look, with Bill Russell, I'll get into a couple stories because I was a young production assistant slash intern where I got into the media business out of college. And I went to college just outside of Boston. And so I was very fortunate, even though I was a college kid, to be at closest to one of the bigger markets in the country and a market that is extremely passionate when it comes to everything, when it comes to politics, entertainment, whatever, but especially sports as well. And so having getting a chance to work for an outlet called New England Cable News where it's essentially CNN New England. You know, it's, there's outlets all over New England, from New Hampshire to Vermont, Massachusetts, obviously, Connecticut. There's a couple of outlets as well. Brian, when he grew up, I'm sure is well aware of it. We had, I worked actually both for the news division, where I was, and a lot of you people that have worked in the media initially as interns and PAs, you know what you do. You're ripping scripts. You're occasionally getting sent out to do stories that other reporters and anchors either don't have the time to do or don't want to do. That's how I got my start, and it was a great way to learn. And not to get into you know the lame details about you know how TV stations and radio stations work, but back then in the '90s, early '90s, the unions were a big thing, so you couldn't really do a lot as an intern or even a production assistant. Because the unions wouldn't let you do it, if, as far as reporting and and get like getting your face on air would be completely preposterous. Nowadays, it's a little bit more lenient, I think. And there's other ways in which you can get into the media, but back then, you didn't really have the access. But to, so to kind of to to round out this point, I'm trying to make uh, the outlet I worked for, New Cable News, was not union. So they let they were anybody that was essentially a go getter. That was willing to do anything was able to do it. So I had, a, I was fortunate where I was able to cover some Boston Celtic events. I was able to cover some Boston Red Sox and New England Patriots and Boston Bruin events. So that was great for me as so kid. So I'll have a chance to reflect on some personal interactions with Bill Russell and with people in Boston that interacted with him on a regular basis. But when you think about Bill, he was look. He, this is a man who came of age in Louisiana, then out to the Bay Area. And this is at a time, again, when he was growing up in those places where blunt racism, segregation, you know, vestiges of slavery were norms. And he moved from college where, you know, you know, basically where sport tried to curb his, you know, where basketball, they tried to curb his dominance by widening the foul lane. You know, and then he ends up in the NBA in an era when you know a rival club owner could discuss quotas and whether or not black players should be allowed to even guard white players. This was real stuff going on back when Bill Russell was just coming into the league. Now, look, look. There's a lot of there's a lot of stories that are well known among people that are sports historians and people that are either Boston Celtic fans or USF fans or people that are fans of Bill Russell or that have followed his career, right? Bill Russell and his teammates boycotting a game in Kentucky 
after being refused service at a restaurant. You had Bill Russell returning to his home in the Boston suburbs to find it trashed. There was a racial epithet scrawled in excrement on his wall. There was other humiliations throughout his life. You had the you know the way white coaches asked Russell to pal around with black players, assuming they would be fast friends. You had a restaurant guest flipping Russell or keys, thinking he was the parking lot attendant. You had a you know Boston neighborhood petitioning to try to stop Russell and his family from moving there, and on and on and on. And look, this isn't just stuff that Bill Russell faced. It's stuff that black Americans faced for years. And look, he moved there nonetheless. And he was in Boston at a time where Boston, I've talked about this many times, it's a city that has a racial history. And it's a city that has a racial identity that's not necessarily great when it comes to dealing with minorities. I'll just put it that way. I don't need to dive in too deep about how the city of Boston, you know, I don't need to dive into all the episodes and things that took place. I'll just leave it at that. But he was a instrumental player, an instrumental athlete at that time in that place. Now, with Bill Russell, it just wasn't about, you know, again, I've pointed this out a couple of times. It wasn't just about the stats. He is going to remember because of and I'm talking about in the scope of basketball here and the NBA, as a mentor. He mentored many players. And we're talking big-time players and not some not-so-big-time players. Guys from Big Baby Davis to Isaiah Thomas, who played for the rival Detroit Pistons back in the day. Now, obviously, Isaiah Thomas played well after Bill Russell was playing. But... Isaiah told a story about how there was the famous play, I want to say in the 1987 playoffs, where Isaiah Thomas tosses in Bill, you know, uh, Larry Bird steals the ball, Dennis Johnson lays it in. It's, It's an iconic play in NBA playoff history. And obviously, as you can imagine, Isaiah Thomas, who was the star of the Detroit Pistons at the time, as they were emerging into the big boys, or excuse me, the bad boys, and we're getting a chance to, or we're going to win two NBA consecutive championships. But this was the season right before that. So Isaiah, obviously distraught, was irate, the competitor that he is. Did not want to converse with anybody after that play and after that game. And you can probably imagine why. Because it's completely humiliating and completely devastating for a player like Isaiah Thomas to have to deal with that. So he's not taking any phone calls. Not to, nobody's talking to him. Nobody nobody wants, you know, I mean and and he doesn't want to talk to anybody either. And so there were, you know, just a travel trove of phone calls and phone calls trying to get to him, trying to talk to him. And finally his wife says to him, "You know what? Honey, I think you need to take this phone call." And who was that phone call from? It was from Bill Russell. And Bill Russell said, young man, you need to pick yourself up off the turf, pick yourself up off the court, pick yourself up after something, and get after it. And continue doing what you're doing and achieve the goals that you expect to achieve. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Essentially, 
That was what Bill Russell was as from a mentor standpoint. And he did that with dozens upon dozens of players. And that has been reflected not only in the past 24 hours since his passing, but over the years since he's been long retired from his playing career, from his coaching career, which, by the way, he was the first black head coach in the NBA. And he was the coach that followed Red Auerbach, who just happens to be one of the more legendary coaches in all of team sports in America. And the Celtics organization felt that Bill Russell was that guy to follow Red Auerbach. I don't I mean I don't know what even know what to say when it comes to that. Now, I talked about now look, as a mentor, obviously extremely influential. And Big Baby Davis told the story. Big Baby Davis, Glenn Davis, was a player on the 2000 and we get more recent here. Back in 2008, Boston Celtics win an NBA championship. Glenn Big Baby Davis is a young player coming into the league. And he talked about how he walked up to Bill Russell and he'd heard the stories about, look, there's, and I don't like to use the word standoffish when it comes to Bill because he's someone who, um, I don't know if standoffish is the right way to describe him. I thought he was very cautious about people that approached him and I thought he was someone he's not, look, he wasn't instantly going to give you his respect. He wasn't instantly going to be enamored with you. He was not somebody like myself or others who are, you know, going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt right off the bat. That's not the way it was. So Glenn Big Baby Davis, not aware of the situation, just strolls right up to him and says, oh, Mr. Russell, can I have your autograph? And can you sign my uh, picture for me? Because he was a big basketball fan and he was a big fan of uh, Bill Russell. And Bill Russell says to Big Baby Davis, who was, who was about to be an instrumental part of this night, 2008 Boston Celtic championship run. Young man, I'm not going to sign your picture, but I'll give you my phone number. And so Big Baby talks about this. And uh, this is, by the way, this is a clip I just saw a matter of a couple of hours ago where Glenn Davis was talking about this. And he was obviously perplexed, right? He's thinking to himself, what? Uh, my phone number? Or why, why would I want your phone number? I want I, I want to I want to, you know I want an autograph for my picture because I because I admire you and that's he didn't real he didn't he just didn't recognize didn't realize you know so and there was a reason why Bill Russell did that and it wasn't just for Glenn Big Baby Davis it was for guys like Kobe Bryant it was for guys like LeBron James it was for guys like Kevin Garnett we're talking about you know it. it it wasn't necessarily about stature. It was about people that he kind of gravitated to that he wanted to see succeed. Because that's what mentoring is, right? It doesn't even matter what line of work you're in. If you're in the entertainment business, the business world, whatever. And in sports, too. Mentoring is about, you know, thinking that you have something to offer and hoping, you know, and, and wanting someone else to be, I don't know if carry the torch is the right way to describe it, but, you know, is able to take it down the road and do something with it. And that's what the guy did. And he, and he formed kinships with these, these players, both former and current, 
in the NBA. Now look, another reason why this man is unique is because not only did he find kinship with those people, but he also found kinship with the likes of Martin Luther King Jr. and people like Malcolm X. Bill Russell stood on the steps at the March on Washington. And while a lot of people call it the Civil Rights Movement, he preferred to kind of call it the Human Rights Movement. Because, you know, his feelings, civil rights, had become too wide and, and complacent. This is a man that bought a rubber farm in Liberia, Numchuck, and PTL listeners out there. He bought a rubber farm in Liberia when a reporter asked if he intended to reject the U.S. and move to Africa. He responded, yeah, maybe I will. I'll get away from you anyway. The reporter published only the first part of the quote, not the second. Look, there were times where he was standoffish when it came to media members. Okay, because if he thought they had an ulterior motive, or if he just didn't respect them, or if in some way, shape, or form they gave him a reason to be combative. There were times throughout his career where he, you know, there was he could be abrasive. shot of the entire conversation so Russell heard that colleague of Jackie McMullen say that to her so what happened Jackie didn't necessarily take the advice of her colleague she went right up to Bill Russell and introduced herself and explained what she wanted to do you know what Bill Russell did he said you know what absolutely why would you and it was kind of a you know sarcastic in a way because he had heard what that colleague said and so he immediately warmed up to Jackie, and therefore they had a relationship that extended and ended up being a, you know, a 40-year relationship, essentially. And Jackie's still a very prominent member of the Boston media. And again, someone that I interacted with as a youngster and who always was very cordial to me, even as someone who was very low on the totem pole and was just starting out. So 
that was just one more episode of of what it mean, what it meant as far as Bill Russell and a reflection of what that man meant and still does mean to a lot of people in the sports realm. I'm going to dive into a couple more stories on the other side of the break regarding Bill Russell, reflections from athletes, and and also a couple more a couple more ideas as far as what he meant and meant to the sports world and meant to the country in general from all aspects of life. It is Pushing the Limits coming your way on a Monday. I'm Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. Much more on the other side after the break. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Do you want to be part of one of the fastest growing shows in the Valley? Well, now is your chance. Pushing the Limits covers it all. The only show in town talking news, politics, sports, entertainment, you name it. You can now give your business the push it needs to take it to the next level. We have all sorts of advertising packages that can fit your budget. Give us a call at 725-256-9809 or send us an email at ptlvegasales at gmail.com and be part of the fastest growing show in Las Vegas. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. I want to tell you guys about one of my favorite doctors in the Valley, Dr. K. She's a board-certified internal medicine physician. She's been in practice for over 20 years, went to Yale. She believes in treating body and mind as a whole by achieving harmony and balance. She offers hormone replacement, Botox, skin rejuvenation, even snoring treatment, because we know how that can be annoying from time to time. Also, plasma treatments and so much more with cutting-edge technology. Please give her a call, 702-410-5779. You could also give her an email at cosmeticaesthetics.lv at gmail.com. Again, that number, 702 410 
5779. Call Dr. K. Tell them I sent you, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Pushing the limits on your Monday. Chris went in for Brian Shapiro. Numchuck in the studio making it sound top-notch across the board. KSHB AM 1400 here in Las Vegas. Streaming on the World Wide Web. The phone number 702-221-7283. I just went on a little sea uh, win talking. It wasn't a rant. It was an opportunity to kind of reflect on the passing of an NBA legend. As Bill Russell passed away yesterday at the age of 88, his wife was there with him. The man had a monstrous impact on the United States as a whole, as well as the NBA, obviously. Many people call him the biggest winner in the history of team sports, and it'd be hard to argue that, given the man played 13 seasons in the NBA and went to the NBA Finals, 12 of those, winning 11, and always being regarded as a top, probably three or four player in basketball history. So, Bill Russell, without question, I talked about it for the first half hour of the show, his accomplishments were not just on the court. His impact was not just on the court. There have been stories, there have been reflections, there have been tributes over the past 24 hours from dozens upon dozens of former and current NBA players and the impact that he had on their lives. And there has also been reflections and tributes from people from all walks of life, including former presidents of the United States, most notably Barack Obama and Joe Biden, who were talking in reverence regarding Bill Russell. 702-221-7283. Let's go to the phone lines. John joins us here on the show. John, we appreciate your phone call. What is going on? Hey, Chris. Hey, man, I hope uh, Brian's okay. Yeah, he should be fine. He's a little bit banged up. He went and got to – it's not COVID-19, okay, so that's that's a good thing. He went and got tested tested negative, but he's got the sniffles, he's got the sneezes, he's got, you know, didn't want to come on the air and be hacking up things. You know the deal, right, John? So decided to take another day off and should be back in the mix tomorrow ready to uh, rumble and tumble. uh, 
I just hope he's not in some uh, penthouse casino suite giving some young stripper a lap dance in hopes of getting lucky. Well, that's that's pretty much <laughs> par for the course, though, right, for Shapiro. You know, when you when, if you take a look at his social media over over the past what weeks, over the past years, essentially, yeah, the guy the guy's not afraid to get out and have no, a good I time. Think, I think he told a story once where he had to. Some girl wouldn't uh, jump in the uh, hay with him unless he did a lap dance for her. I'm just joking around. He's a great guy. Yeah, this. Well, he, yeah, he can. Ah, hey, man. Just, that again. So right. So John, another vision put in our head that we absolutely want nothing to do. Right. <laughs> with right. Me and Numchuck right now sitting in the studio, imagining Brian Shapiro in some type of slash G string or speedo. And some, you know, unsuspecting or suspecting female having to deal with that. Oh my gosh, it's Not disturbing. But it, is, great. it is disturbing. And hey especially- man, you, uh, Chris, you absolutely nailed it, partner. Uh, I, I'm not sure there's anywhere else in media, anywhere in America, did a better job of summarizing Bill Russell than you. Kudos to you, sir. That was absolutely phenomenal. I appreciate I spent that. Spent a lot of time in Boston. Um, I actually got to meet him once. I shook his hand. And you know, he had that big, booming laugh. Uh, I told a silly joke, and he, I, got, I got Bill Russell to give me his big, booming laugh. I consider that one of my great accomplishments in my life. That was uh, one of his aspects, one, one of his traits, right, that was always talked about, that uh, it was kind of an affirmation. Right, John? That's really oh, what it was. A big belly, wholehearted laugh, and I got Bill Russell to laugh once. And uh, I got to tell you, of all the people I've met in my life, he just might be the most consequential person I've ever met. And uh, I'm just a huge fan. You nailed it. Um, you know, he would always, if you ask him for his autograph, he would say, I won't, I won't uh, give you my autograph, but I'll shake your hand. Uh, and if you were, you know, big baby, he gave his phone number, too. So just a great man. Uh, totally underappreciated. Uh, totally. Did you ever see that special where the, his old teammates kind of broke down like, we didn't give him the respect he deserved. Even his own teammates uh, didn't give him his kudos, and certainly the city of Boston didn't. Um, and he withstood all of that with class and dignity. He's just a class act, a great man, and uh, uh, just today's the day to celebrate his life. No question about it, right, John? And look, he was somebody who was at times labeled right as difficult and maybe prickly, but and something looks and quite frankly, sometimes the, he could be. But it was often because, look, this was just a man that refused to varnish reality, right? He was not going to be that guy that was going to play the role of the grateful athlete. You know, he, he was like, hey, look, he didn't, he didn't look to make audiences comfortable. That wasn't really his thing. He was someone who was going to be, you know, steadfastly honest. That's kind of like the way he was. And, look, in, in an era where... You know, we, let's be straight about it, right, John? We, we, uh, a lot of times, people out there, I'm not saying you or I, a lot of people want to mock athletes who, you know, don't express proper gratitude and, you know, step into social, you know, issues beyond their sport. That whole shut up and dribble BS that comes out, you know, and the fact of the matter is this, athletes, entertainers, politicians, regular Joes like you and I, we all are entitled to an opinion. Right when it comes to politics, we all can chime in and have have an opinion when it comes to social issues. Everything. No one is more. 
Now, look, there are people that, that educate themselves and that are more versed and have a better grasp of certain issues. But when it comes to just talking about these things and having an opinion, there's no question that that we have that opportunity, right, John? I mean, that's something that I think he, he kind of represented. He, he always acted. He, he didn't. He, he wasn't prickly just to be prickly. He was prickly on purpose, and there was always a good reason behind it. Um, he was a principled man. He was a deep thinker. Um, and uh, I mean, look, man. <laughs> Boston has this reputation of being a racist city for a reason, um, and he was a major part of that. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Red Sox and Yaki, you know, they passed on Jackie Robinson because of the color of his skin. So uh, he, was a, he was a barrier breaker, um, and few of us will ever know, uh, you know, uh, how difficult and, 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 and how annoying it must have been for him. Uh, to, to endure all that stuff just based on the color of his skin. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head as someone who lived in that in that town for you know six seven years. It, there there is some perception different about Boston than other cities around the country, right? When it comes to racial issues, when it comes to race, that town has a reputation, as you pointed out, John, for a reason. And uh, you also brought up a point though about Bill Russell and. It, it, it is just classic, right? When it comes to him and that laugh, Numchuck, that's something that is going to, that's what a lot of people are going to remember about the great Bill Russell. There <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that was always something that came out, right? Is, I, I can remember his you know, interactions with Kevin Garnett recently. And and with other prominent athletes and other and and other just just people, period, that was something that is that uh, is going to be etched in a lot of people's memories when it comes to the likes of Bill Russell and 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 John. I mean, I, I want to kind of tap this off right by saying, you know, we, we I've said a lot of glowing things about Bill Russell here, and this is you know uh, kind of ironic given I'm a Detroit Pistons guy, right? That I'm uh, you know uh, waxing poetic about uh, the likes of Bill Russell or any Boston Celtic, but. Uh, he was also regarded, right, John, as the ultimate teammate. And that is something that uh, he can hang his hat on as well, too, and that people are going to be appreciative of and remember him for. Because there's a lot of great players in all sports that that have accomplishments beyond all belief, that are champions, that are winners, that have just killed it in their sport. But you wouldn't say that they were great teammates. That was exactly what Bill Russell was was talked about as far as that aspect of his sportsdom is that the guy was an unbelievable teammate, John. He did all the stuff you needed to win. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. he, the classic comparison is him and Wilt, and Wilt had all the numbers, but Russell had all the rings, man. That's all you need to know. No question about it. And, uh, John, we really appreciate your phone call. Have a great week, all right, my man? And uh, We always appreciate when you get a chance to, uh, to call in and give us oh. – some examples and uh, give us your ideas, my friend. Love the show. Keep killing it, man. Thanks, John. Yeah, pushing the limits coming your way on a Monday. I'm Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. We're reflecting on Bill Russell and and uh, what he's been able to do, not only as a basketball player but just as a man. And 88 years young, passing away on Sunday, 
So many Americans are mourning today, not just basketball fans, not just Celtic fans, but Americans, because he was not just an iconic basketball player, he was an iconic human being. So uh, rest in peace, Bill Russell, at the age of 88. A lot of stuff going on this weekend. Guys, it wasn't just all uh, uh, you know sad news regarding a former basketball legend. There's also a lot going on in the world of sports, and we are ramping up for the NFL season. And so there was a historic decision today from the NFL, and uh, we're going to pull a little switcheroo on you because we're going to have a friend of the show and sports anchor from KSNV, NBC News 3, Brian Salmon is going to join us in hour number two. He'll, I want to get his reflections because he actually worked in the Boston area as well as I did and had a chance to cover the Celtics. And I want to see if he had what his interactions were as far as Bill Russell and his reflections there. But there's been also a ton of news across the sports world. We are smack dab in the middle of the uh, trade deadline in Major League Baseball. So there's an opportunity for possibly a lot of names to be changing uh, new faces and new places when it comes to Major League Baseball as they ramp up for September and early October and the end of the regular season and a run towards a World Series title for a number of teams. And there's already been some movement, but there's still some big-time players that could be on the move. I talked about the Sean Watson situation. I'm absolutely going to get into that with Brian Salmon as well, too, and possibly get some of your thoughts at 702-221-7283 on that story. Raiders-Jaguars kick it off in Canton, Ohio, in the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. That kicks off the preseason in the NFL. Training camps are going in full force right now. My Detroit Lions, who will be featured on Hard Knocks, by the way. And I'm kind of upset, Numchuck, because I'm not somebody... I cut the cord, my friend. We cut the cord at the house about nine months ago. So I don't have HBO or HBO Max yet, or uh, the HBO subscription. But I have pretty much like everything else. But it sucks because I'm a Lions fan, and the Lions have never been on, on Hard Knocks, and the Lions are going to be on there. They're in the midst of training camp, as is the rest of the NFL. Going to be a lot of fun to see that Raider helmet glowing in the Canton, Ohio sun, or twilight, I should say on Thursday as they take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't know how much we're going to see the likes of Trevor Lawrence and Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and Max Crosby and on and on and on because it's preseason. We all know what happens. They play maybe a series, maybe two series, which ends up what could be two series too long. And then all of a sudden we get you know the third, fourth, fifth stringers that end up playing the rest of the game. But still, it's football, and so that gets anybody that's a fan of the pigskin fired up on a Thursday. So we'll talk to Brian Salmon about the Raiders training camp, the latest news there. Also, Las Vegas Aces got another win by almost 30 on Sunday as they whacked the Indiana Fever up at Hinkle Fieldhouse, home of the Butler Bulldogs in Indiana. It was their fourth straight win, Kelsey Plum, another monster game, shot 9-12 from the field, ended up with 26 points, and they got contributions off the bench from Teresa Plaisance, and it was the the regular cast of characters in Asia Wilson and De'Erica Hamby and you know Chelsea Gray 
And, of course, you know the rest of the starting five, which has been stellar almost all season long. Yeah, they hit the rough, rough patch there during midseason where they lost a few games in a row. But the Aces win again, and they're floating right there at the top of the top three teams in the WNBA as we stroll down the stretch towards the WNBA playoffs. So we'll talk a little bit about Aces, too, probably with Brian as well. But I wanted to dive a little bit here to close out the first hour into golf and politics. Now, you know, Brian Shapiro is a golf guy, okay, our lead host of the show. Someone who's not afraid to chime in when it comes to all things politics and all things golf. And Brian has made it very clear his opinion regarding the Live Tour and its effect on professional golf, and specifically the PGA Tour. He's made comments numerously, both on social media and on this show, that he feels the Live Tour is going to be extremely detrimental. I'm not using his exact words. I'm essentially using the C-Win description of Brian's words into this. He believes the Live Tour is going to be hugely problematic for the PGA Tour. And he may be right still. He may be right. But over the weekend, and particularly Saturday, in the third round of the Live Tour event that was held at former President Donald Trump's course, there was video of the galleries, Numchuck, and PTL Nation out there. There was video. And it's not good. And what I mean by not good is there was hardly anybody on the course. Hardly any fans showed up to this Live Tour event, which featured a number of top-tier golfers in the world. Guys who are highly ranked across the board. A ton of great players. And there was hardly anybody there. You could go on StubHub, Numchuck, and get tickets for a dollar on StubHub. A dollar. That's one penny more than 99 cents. I would love that. A dollar. A dollar. Let's go. To go to a professional golf tournament. And it's not like it's one of those rinky-dink PGA Tour events. And I'm I'm not disparaging PGA Tour. I'm talking about you people know what I'm talking about. It's not some small tournament. On the tour, this is a brand new live tour that has some of the marquee names in the sport that are playing in this tournament. And it was scarce. The crowd was sparse. It was small, Numchuck. There was hardly anybody there. And the former president of the United States, as Donald Trump normally does, wants to sugarcoat it. And wants to exaggerate and wants to talk about, you know, how, how great the event is and talk about crowd sizes. It was impossible for him to brag about this situation because it was embarrassing. And look, to Brian's post, right? So here's the deal, right? Despite the lackluster crowd size and streaming numbers, fans banded together at one point for a Let's Go Brandon chant as Trump watched and cheered with members of his family. By the way, 
Tucker Carlson for Fox News and Marjorie Taylor Greene, were they in attendance? Were they actually at the event? So so you had President, former President Trump. They were they, they were with him. You had, obviously, you know, one of the marquee hosts on Fox News as far as their commentary slash, you know, talking head people was there. And a United States representative. And as I pointed out, and I'm Chuck Wright, fewer than a thousand people were both watching the Facebook live feed for much of the first two rounds of the weekend and Liv's Golf's YouTube channel was at or above 60,000 viewers for much of Saturday's second round. On the course, there were far fewer people. Event officials didn't announce the attendance, though most estimates suggested only a few thousand spectators. And I talked about it. I said a dollar. <clears throat> There's reports that 75 cents you can get on the course for... That's just not good. It's just not good. And I had discussions with Brian about this off the air because I try to push back a little bit because I like to push his button sometimes and I like to kind of get into arguments and discussions with him and get him fired up. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I always play devil's advocate when it comes to this because I think it, I think it is going to be something that's short term. I don't think the live tour is going to last and look, I understand the Saudi government or the financial powers that be that are backing the live tour that happen to be Saudi Arabian have boatloads of money. I mean, boatloads of money. And so throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at a live tour is something they can do for a while. I suppose so. I suppose so. But how long, even if you're a moron, even if you're financially incompetent, how long can you continue to throw bad money at a bad product or a bad prospect? And if you're not getting, you know, the the elevation of the Live Tour to a level of the PGA Tour, if you don't get the coverage or the respect or just the acknowledgement that that tour is on par with the likes of the PGA Tour or the European Tour what are you doing you know is it just a, it's an, it's not a money grab for you now look it's a money grab for the players and for you know we talked about obviously Charles Barkley possibly going from TNT to the Live Tour which is not happening because look, it's Charles Barkley. The guy's a former basketball legend. Why do you you know? It'd be the same thing as when they had Dennis Miller doing Monday Night Football. It was just a kind of a kind of a uh, a novelty type thing attempt. But like, but there was also reports too, Numchuck and PTL listeners out there that players were chuckling in the final round as they were strolling down the fairway, you know, because they were understanding that Phil Mickelson, who finished way back in the tournament was going to make way making high six figures or whatever after not even competing to win the tournament making high six figures so you know the player the players that are in the top 10 or whatever get paid big the point being is the players understand that it's a money grab for them they know it that's what it is that's essentially what it is 
And so, how long do you sustain that model? And I'm not, I haven't even gotten to the whole aspect of the whole politics stuff about it. I haven't even gotten into all that, which I will on the other side of the break, but I'm going to tie it all in with the reactions between both the former president and the current president regarding when they got COVID-19. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. There's going to be a little, you know, see when Trump bashing because it has, there has to be, right? I'm, the, I'm, a, I'm an actual someone who says I'm a Democrat, right? Because I am, and I'm on the left. So there's got to be a, you know, a little short segment here where I kind of blast Donald Trump, but he gives me a lot of reasons to blast him. Let's be straight up about it. So we'll take a quick break uh, in a couple minutes here, but, I, but I'll round this out by saying this. I would disagree with Brian from the aspect of w- the viability of the live tour. Yes, is it is it taking shots and is it kind of taking pieces out of the PGA Tour right now because you've got some the best players in the world not playing in PGA tournament events because they're playing in live tour events? Absolutely, absolutely. But I and I don't like to use the word fad. I think that I think that this is something that is going to be temporary when it comes to the live tour. It's going to be temporary. I don't know how temporary. Is it going to be one, two years? Is it going to be nine months? Probably not. But I don't think in 2025, 2026, we're going to be talking about, oh, man, you know, should they just dissolve the PGA Tour into the Live Tour? And that would be the best thing for golf. I don't think that's going to be the case. So we will... uh, Talk a little bit more about this and much, much more. I'm going to dive into what went down over the weekend with respect to both the former president and the current president and get into some social and political issues also as one hour is in the books. Another one is on the way. It's PTL coming your way live, KSHP AM 1400 streaming on the World Wide Web. Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. We'll be back on the other side of the break. Limits coming your way on a Monday, KSHB and fourteen hundred, and streaming across the world wide web. I'm Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. A little Richard Marks there. B. Shap had a chance to head out there on Friday to the concert at Green Valley Ranch. Richard Marks, big time star, Numchuck back in the early eighties, or excuse me, eighties slash early nineties. I think his last big hits were like like ninety one ish. But uh, had some big-time songs and was a guy that wrote a bunch of songs for a lot of groups you probably are not a fan of. I'm going to be quite honest 100% with you. hundred percent sure. Uh, absolutely. hundred percent sure. You're not fans of him. I talked to Shapiro about this, talked to this about with a couple of my other buddies who are not fans of the boy bands back in the day and of the either, I don't know if R&B is a way to describe them or they're just pop groups. Richard Marks had a lot, wrote a lot of songs for a lot of people, which is why he's still making that coin when he hasn't really put a song out in probably thirty years. And, but it's always great, and you know, you know the deal with nostalgia these days, and with the concerts where you get a chance to hear your favorites from yesteryear. 
And they always come to Vegas. They're they're always coming here, whether it's those '80s concerts with the hip hop groups, or it's the you know the groups from the '50s and '60s that that team up. It's it's a team up thing, right, Numchuck? Like they, it's not just one group. There'll be like twenty. There's there'll like, be like ten yeah. groups that'll have that have like three or four of the songs they feature, and it'll be like a, it'll be like a festival type atmosphere at the concert at the venue. And there's plenty of those venues, right, in Vegas. Tons of venues that, that do it. that. Yeah, like you know the Mandalay Bay Beach. I talked about Green Valley Ranch, obviously. Other spots is Red Rock uh, Casino as well. Too is another one of them where they have these concerts that feature a number of groups that you can check out. So and look, there's there's opportunities for you, right? Some of the, your favorite bands, I'm sure, have come here, of course, and and play together with other bands with the same type of genre that people get fired up about. So Richard Mark's one of those guys too from early '80s. He had the big hair. Big hair. Had the perm going. I think it was called the perm back then. I don't know. I didn't have enough. I was I was more of a uh, karate, you know, uh, Johnny from the Karate Kid type hairstyle back in the day. But uh, that being said, folks, your health is our priority. Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care is the place to go, whether it's work or sports physicals, pre-op clearance, car accidents, work injuries, TB test, blood pressure, and of course, COVID-19 testing, you want to hit up Sahara West Urgent Primary Care. Walk-ins always welcome, 6125 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 1B, Las Vegas, Nevada. No appointments needed. Call 702-248-0554 or go to saharawesturgentcare.com. Bilingual across the board, English obviously with Spanish, Tangalong, and Vietnamese available. Testing all over the place for treat treat your chronic medical conditions like asthma, blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, and much, much more. That's Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care here in Las Vegas. You will not have a better spot. Your health is our priority. Also, check out one of our favorite spots, Brian Slipok, good friend of the show, and the owner of Jackson's Bar and Grill on Jones and Flamingo, one of the premier gaming bars in in Las Vegas. The menu, outstanding across the board. They have daily specials that you cannot go wrong with. Gaming all over the place, whether it's your video poker, whether you're like me, who likes to power in a little Kino action and Caveman Kino, you can do it all. Jackson's Barn Grill on the corner of Flamingo and Jones here on the west side of Las Vegas. We're in hour number two here on your Monday of pushing the limits. I closed out hour number one talking a little bit about the live tour and at Donald Trump's course over the weekend. There was more news about the former president and the current president because there's always, look, we know what's going on, always comparisons, always discussions about the two men, whether it be the former president, Donald Trump, who's been in the news constantly even though he's essentially banned off of most of social media, now with the introduction, should I say, of Truth.com, which is, by the way, full disclosure, I've never been on it, and I don't think there's a whole lot of people that are on it. Yes. Are there hundreds of thousands, possibly millions on it? Yes. This is a country of 340 million people. So there is... Uh, you know, a certain amount of society that has decided to venture over there. But I'm not one of those people. 
Nevertheless, the former president who is not who's kicked off Twitter and kicked off most of, most of social media platforms for reasons we all understand. Weighed in regarding Joe Biden and his COVID-19 diagnosis. Now, both of these men have gotten COVID. I believe a couple of, I believe both of them multiple times. Possibly just Joe Biden multiple times. Either way. Biden's multiple. I don't think Trump was. Trump maybe just once. Regardless. And Brian put this out on social media yesterday. And this is his post. Look at the difference in reaction. From POTUS, Joe Biden, and Trump when they learned the other had COVID. Complain all you want about inflation. How the, you know what? Could you ever vote for the unstable orange turd? Question mark. No decency or empathy ever. And it's pretty easy to understand that opinion. Looking at what both have posted when the other one had COVID-19. Back in October, early October of 2020, Joe Biden, no longer the vice president, and not even president of the United States yet. This was October of 2020, so a month before he was elected. Jill and I send our thoughts to President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump for a swift recovery. We will continue to pray for the health and safety of the president and his family. Period. Stop. End of tweet. Classy. Respectful. Presidential. Even though he wasn't president yet. He'd been vice president for eight years, but yeah. And has been in public life for a long time. Respectful. So, obviously we all know Joe Biden was... Diagnosed with COVID-19 about, what, last week, essentially. So President Trump ventured over to Truth.com, which ironically is a horrendous name for that social media outlet. But I digress. And Donald Trump weighed in on Joe Biden getting COVID-19. Joe Biden's second bout of covid sometimes referred to as the China virus, was sadly misdiagnosed by his doctors. He instead has dementia, but is happily recovering well. Joe is thinking of moving part-time to one of those beautiful Wisconsin nursing homes where almost 100% of the residents miraculously, and for the first time in history, had the strength and energy to vote. Even if those votes were cast illegally. Get well soon, Joe. That's from the former president of the United States. About the current president of the United States. COVID-19. Laced with sarcasm. Laced with misinformation. Laced with lies. Classless. Not anywhere near resembling anything presidential whatsoever but are we surprised at all by Donald Trump and those comments absolutely not because norms have been destroyed numchuck and PTL listeners out there when it comes to the office of the presidency of the United States 
And what I'm talking about is this. And what I mean is this. Over the past five, six years, standards have downgraded significantly as far as the expectations from someone in that office. And I'm not talking about President Joe Biden. I'm not talking about former President Barack Obama. I'm not talking about George W. Bush. I'm not talking about Bill Clinton. I'm not talking about Bush Sr. I'm not talking about Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford, and even Richard Nixon. I'm talking about Donald Trump. And look, I understand that a lot of you Trumpers out there and right-wingers are listening and thinking to yourselves, well, Chris, how can you say that? Bill Clinton embarrassed the country with his actions back in the late 90s regarding Monica Lewinsky and even early in his presidency with the scandals that he had with the adultery and the affairs and everything that went on. I'm not denying that. And yes, there are aspects of a lot of presidencies, JFK, some others, where there were indiscretions and where there were things that were not presidential that took place. But make no mistake about it. It has been taken to a new level between 2016 and 2020 when President Donald Trump was in office. It came to a new level from the aspect of lying. The amount, the sheer amount of lies, the sheer disgraceful things that were said by the commander-in-chief of this country that would never even be thought of being uttered by a president of the United States came out of Donald Trump's mouth. And I'll fast forward to these comments regarding Joe Biden and COVID-19. And you can't deny this, those of you that are on the right listening and those of you that are retrumplicans and that still swear by your dear leader, Donald J. Trump, you cannot deny that There have been multiple instances for you where you've had to say to someone like me or someone who's a lefty, oh yeah, either that's not what he meant, or oh yeah, I didn't agree with that, or oh yeah, he shouldn't have said that. There have been multiple instances where that has occurred. It occurred with with the comments made about John McCain and not wanting... To, you know, I prefer people who weren't captured. It happened back when he was running for president and made that derogatory statement regarding Mexican citizens being murderers and rapists, but he assumes some of them are good people. It happened back when all that craziness was going on with the squad and he made comments and by the way other republicans also and other people who are racist that happen to be that happen to have an r next to their name 
talked about how American citizens, some of whom were actually born in this country, but happen to be of the black and brown persuasion, need to go back to their countries. It was all disgraceful. It was all terrible. Yet, it ended up getting brushed off or there would be, you know, just an avalanche of other stories that took, or other drama that would that would drown all this out. What was the running theme during the Trump administration? The running theme was, well, you know, we can't spend too much time criticizing him or or harping on or focusing on something he said or something he did or something that happened because there was always something else new coming down the pike. There was always five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things that were happening that were cascading down the political landscape that people had to focus on. So you didn't have a chance to to zero in and to kind of even fathom it. And what else happened also? We just became numb. Let's be honest about it. A lot of the things that he said, we were just like, ah, that's just Trump being Trump. Even people like me, even left-wingers, who, again, full disclosure for myself, I used to be entertained by Donald Trump. I used to be someone who would watch TV shows he was on, who understood why he was part of the whole landscape when it came to entertainment and why he, you know, why rappers put him in their songs and why people talked about him. Yes, Donald Trump was a symbol of success in America because he was a master of marketing himself and marketing the Trump brand. And therefore, he was someone who was famous. He was someone who was noted, someone who was was on the minds of everyday Americans. We knew who he was. Now, the reality turns out, if you take a deeper dive and you take a look at what the man is about and what his business is about and what exactly it is he brought to the table from a business standpoint, it's all, it's all a fugazi. You know, a lot of it is made up. A lot of it is not true. This idea that former President Donald Trump is some business magnet that is the tip of the spear when it comes to the business world. When you think about, oh, I want to be a successful business person if you're a young person in America right now or if you're not a young person in America right now but you're looking to make your stamp on the business world This idea that Donald Trump is the one that you would follow. Excuse me. This idea that Donald Trump is the one that you would emulate and try to duplicate what he's done. You can't really do it. I will say this from a uniqueness standpoint. It is flat out remarkable the man was able to get elected president. Given his real background in the world of business given the kind of person that he is and given just what he brings to the table as a person that he was able to get 
elevate himself to the presidency. I talk about this all the time because people give all kinds of reasons why Donald Trump won the, won the presidency in 2016. They talk about the flaws that 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 Secretary Clinton had, which she did. She was a flawed candidate. They talk about the email stuff. They talk about James Comey leading up to the election. A lot of people talk about Russia, and a lot of people talk more about Russia than I do. Did it have an impact? I think so, yeah. Was it a huge impact? I don't think so. But they give all these reasons why Trump won the election. I just think that he tapped into a into a part of America that was so disenfranchised with Democrats, and it was an anti-Democrat vote. And that combined with a lackluster of support for Secretary Clinton at the time. Those two things collided. And I also have to give credit to the likes of, uh, you know, some of Donald Trump's political campaign team. They, They did a tremendous job. And therefore, he was able to pull an inside straight and win the Electoral College and win, win, the, win the election in 2016. There wasn't anything illegitimate about it. There wasn't... I'm not going to sit here and say that he stole the election from Hillary Clinton. I never said that. Even when I was shocked and upset and furious back in 2016 that this man was going to be the leader of the free world. And I thought he was absolutely unworthy of that. And I still, to this day, maintain that. He is one of the worst presidents of all time. I wasn't alive when the likes of James Buchanan and some of these other presidents that are said to be terrible were around. But I'm still, I still stand by it a thousand percent that I think he is a horrible president. Were there some decent and good things that happened when he was president? Yes. And I say this all the time. It's because Republicans were able to do things that are beneficial to the to Republicans and to the you know the top one percent of Americans and to the rich in America. Yes, there were things the 2017 tax cut, great for people that are loaded, and quite frankly, good for some people like myself who is a working class person who works in the hospitality industry and has for for decades. There has been some decent things that have happened. Does it offset a lot of the bad things that happened during Trump's presidency and a lot of the horrible approaches that Donald Trump took as a person and as a president? I don't think so. In my per- in my personal opinion, no. But the ship has sailed. That was, you know, he's been gone for two years, even though you wouldn't know it because every there's, you know, there's still hundreds of thousands and yes, I dare say millions of you out there that believe the election was stolen from Donald Trump in 2020 and still believe that to this day. You believe that. It's a lie, and we all call it the big lie, and it's not true, and it's a fantasy, and it's imaginary, and what other adjectives can I use? Joe Biden's the legitimate elected president, and it's been two years. It's been almost two years since he got elected. And people are still holding on to that lie to this day. Still doing it. But getting back to Donald Trump, 
and his approach, right? And I brought up all those other former presidents. And this is not saying all those presidents, and I pointed out Bill Clinton. A lot of other presidents had flaws, too. Obviously, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, all of them. All of them had had flaws. But former President Donald Trump takes it to a new level and continues to take it to a new level day in and day out, two years after he was bounced out of office by Joe Biden. Look, I'm a Democrat. Joe Biden has numerous flaws. He is an 80-year-old retread. He has been in public office for decades. There are plenty of legitimate reasons to criticize the current president of the United States. I still would take him every single day of the week and 15 times on Sunday over the former president, Donald Trump. And elections, folks, are about choices. That's exactly what they're about. It was a choice in 2016. Enough Americans from certain spots around the country felt Donald Trump was the answer. They felt Donald Trump was a better candidate than Hillary Clinton, and therefore he was elected president. A lot of us were up in arms. You saw the reaction from Democrats on that fateful night in 2016. And the country, particularly in the near future, given what's gone on with the Supreme Court and three conservative judges being appointed by Republicans and during, uh, under Donald Trump's watch, okay, and everybody wants to give Donald Trump all the credit for that. Yeah, it was President Trump who was in office when all these Supreme Court judges, who I agree with ideologically, got put in. Praise Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't care. Donald Trump, it's not going to make any difference to Donald J. Trump who the Supreme Court justices are. You know what it matters to? Republicans. It matters to Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, the powers that be in the Republican Party. It is the minority ruling the majority. And Donald Trump just happened to be a bystander that was the figurehead at the top when all that went down. And to round it out, I think it's very disheartening and disconcerting at times because we do have a former president that is still on the forefront of a lot of people's minds when it comes to political discourse in this country. The guy lost two years ago and continues to hold rallies around the country, continues to spread the big lie that he won and Joe Biden lost, continues to sow doubt and mistruths and misinformation into a lot of the the electorate in this country. And it's very concerning that we have a huge portion of America that is willing to discount fact, discount reality, and go their own way, and still continue to give validity to the likes of Donald Trump and his minions that keep pushing the big lie. That's a C-Win rant.
when it comes to Donald Trump and all things politics on your Monday here in on the first day of August. It's pushing limits coming your way here to start your week off. I'm Chris Wynn in for Brian Shapiro. Brian's back tomorrow. Coming up next, good times. No break? Best of tomorrow. Oh, so yeah, best of tomorrow. So Shapiro's going to be out tomorrow, but I'm sure it's going to be it's going to be electric and it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to. So PTL listeners, make sure you get on the radio and check that out tomorrow. Coming up next, he is one of our favorites, King Anchor from KSNV, NBC News 3 in Las Vegas. Brian Salmon is going to join us live, talk about all things across the sports spectrum as we continue on your Monday. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Shopping is always easy with the Radio Shopping Show. Whether it's shopping during any one of our live shows right here on AM 1400 or listening live on the KSHP app, you can always call in at 702-221-7283 to pick up great deals with your favorite host. Or shop 24-7 at KSHP.com. Go to KSHP.com and select Shopper's Guide to browse hundreds of businesses featured on the show. Place your order online and we'll have it shipped right to your front door. With so many possibilities, it's hard not to shop. Do you want to be part of one of the fastest growing shows in the Valley? Well, now is your chance. Pushing the Limits covers it all. The only show in town talking news, politics, sports, entertainment, you name it. You can now give your business the push it needs to take it to the next level. We have all sorts of advertising packages that can fit your budget. Give us a call at 725-256-9809 or send us an email at ptlvegasales at gmail.com and be part of the fastest growing show in Las Vegas. I want to tell you guys about one of my favorite doctors in the Valley, Dr. K. She's a board-certified internal medicine physician. She's been in practice for over 20 years, went to Yale. She believes in treating body and mind as a whole by achieving harmony and balance. She offers hormone replacement, Botox, skin rejuvenation, even snoring treatment, because we know how that can be annoying from time to time. Also, plasma treatments and so much more with cutting-edge technology. Please give her a call. 702-410-5779. You could also give her an email at cosmeticaesthetics.lv at gmail.com. Again, that number, 702-410-5779. Call Dr. K. Tell them I sent you, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. 
At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. As a three-time international award-winning restaurant, Joe's New York Pizza uses only the freshest and best available ingredients. From giant slices of hand-tossed pie to calzones, strombolis, fingers, and wings, Joe's serves all your favorites. Stop in for a slice at one of their two Las Vegas locations at Paradise and Harmon or South Las Vegas Boulevard, or you can check out their menu at joesnewyorkpizzalv.com. Whether you're a corporate executive, on a family vacation, or just passing through, St. George Inn & Suites will meet your specific needs. It's conveniently located near restaurants, shopping, and movie theaters. St. George Inn & Suites offers a variety of room types, two fabulous pools and jacuzzis, a fitness center, a free full hot buffet breakfast, and laundry facilities. To make your booking, call 435-673-6661 or book online at stgeorgeinnhotel.com. You need to stop in Southern Utah? Make that stop at St. George Inn & Suites. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn, that true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? When you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Pushing the Limits coming your way live. KSHB AF 1400 here in beautiful Las Vegas. Streaming all over the World Wide Web. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. Your grandmother's transistor radio. Your grandfather's, you know, the wooden box TV. You can pretty much find us everywhere. Hit the subscription at PTL Vegas. And uh, chime in anywhere, anytime. And get all the clips, archives, Great interviews across the board. And what Shapiro does, Numchuck and PTL Nation out there, he goes from everybody, from William Hung to Daniel Negreanu, to one of our favorites who we always love having an opportunity to talk sports with because he is wired in across the board, has worked in numerous markets, and is one of the best at what he does. I'm talking, of course, about King Anchor. From KSNV, NBC News 3 here in Las Vegas, 
Brian Salva joining us here now live on PTL on your Monday. Brian, we appreciate you spending some time. What is going on? My God, they win. Much better than the usual host, man. I appreciate <laughs> you having me on. <laughs> hey, man, I try, I try, yeah. to, I try to uh, opine positively as much as I can, and it's very easy to do with you, you sir, my friend. Very easy. Man, anytime I see you or talk to you, it's, talk to you, it's a good time, man. It's been a minute, though. I, I haven't seen you in a bit. Yeah, it's been a while, but uh, don't worry. We're going to be – there's all kinds of action coming up because what do we got? We got Raider football just a matter of a few days away, right, Brian? We've got the Aces gearing up for a postseason run. And, of course, UNLV basketball and football is going to be coming back sooner than later. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities, right, B-Sal, where we're going to be out there on the uh, grind and uh, covering it ton of these events that's right man the sports and entertainment capital of the world las vegas is about to start popping it's really about to start popping thursday man i can't believe that thursday is actually the first game of the preseason for the raiders this year i mean it, it, it's bananas See, we just got done with football no question about it and look uh I wanted to get uh, your first take here right off the bat, Brian. Obviously, uh, a sad day, right, in the world of sports yesterday. Always a sad day when you, when we have uh, athletes and uh, and people pass away. But look, from Jackie Robinson to Muhammad Ali to, to even Colin Kaepernick, you know, and activist Harry Edwards talked about this regarding the passing of Bill Russell. Where it's much more than just. A basketball player. This is a man who was a civil rights activist, someone who was very involved back during an era where there was so much going on from a social standpoint in our country. And you're someone who, again, as I pointed out, you've worked in multiple markets. You had a chance to work in the Boston market and cover the Boston Celtics. I had to get your reaction to the passing of NBA icon Bill Russell on Sunday. It's really sad. It honestly is really sad, and, and mainly for the reason that you just stated. The fact that he is much more than just, he was much more than just an athlete. Much more than just an athlete, like part of the civil rights movement, uh, up there with Muhammad Ali, you know, Jim Brown when he was as active as he was back in the day. And uh, Bill Russell was right there. I mean, Bill Russell right there. I mean, I can't believe the fact that he was the very first head coach black head coach in all of major sports in our country. The very first. Very first. Like, that's bananas. You know what I mean? The fact that he was in that iconic picture with Muhammad Ali when he was going through what he was going through. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really sad that, uh, that Bill Russell passed away. He, he led a, a magnificent life. And on top of all of that, he was the greatest winner probably in all of team sports. And you're right. The impact has really as much as much to do with with other things other than basketball, right? You have you got a you got a person in Bill Russell who you know once joined the Civil Rights Act. When he joined, he was marching with Doc Martin Luther King Jr. with Jim Brown with Kareem Abdul Jabbar back in 1967 as they you know when they supported Muhammad Ali after he was you know refused to be drafted in the Vietnam War. He was he was there and present. In instrumental times, when real differences were being you know, were being uh, trying to be broken down in America, right? When it came to the issues of race and other things as well, too. It wasn't just about basketball with Bill Russell. Not even close. Not even close. I mean, Bill Russell, remember, refused to to go play down south because 
they wouldn't allow the, the black players to stay in the same hotel as uh, white players like down in Mississippi and everything. I mean, he, he went through a lot. And we all know the history of Boston being like, you know, one of the more racist cities in the country. I mean, that's the stereotype of Boston. I lived there and didn't necessarily experience it like that. But, I mean, that's even Bostonians will tell you that. Like, you know, Boston has like a history of being a really racist country or city. And players will tell you that when they go to play in the NBA games nowadays that Boston is terrible. Just think about how they treated Draymond Green. But just, you know, in general, and to think that he played there in the 60s and was the first head coach there, <laughs> the first black head coach in Boston. What's, what's really weird about that is that Boston has the uh, the uh, reputation, the stereotype of being like a really racist city, mm-hmm. but they had the first black head coach. They also had the first black hockey player, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Leo Reed played in Boston. So, uh, But anyway, Bill Russell, man, it's just really sad that he passed. And how about this? I don't know if you remember or were there, but Bill Russell actually attended a Las Vegas Aces basketball game. Uh, I had a picture of him sitting courtside during one of the games that I posted on Twitter. Oh, that's super awesome to hear that. And to look at kind of the you know the basketball aspect of this, right, Brian? Because we're both sports guys and both uh, had a chance to work in Boston, as a matter of fact. They're in that town. He is absolutely, positively revered from a sports standpoint, right? You had you had the situation yeah. where Larry Bird was, you know, winding down his career towards the end of retirement, and people there, and, and some people wanted to say, "Oh yeah, Larry Bird, greatest Boston Celtic ever." And Larry, even Larry Bird was like, "Oh, time out, time out." <laughs> Bill Russell is the greatest Boston Celtic player that that uh, that ever graced the court of the old Boston Garden. So, you know, there is a reverence, right, Brian, in that town. When you talk about, you know, the the kind of, uh, the whatever you want to call it, the Mount Rushmore or the totem pole of, of professional athletes from the city of Boston that played in the city of Boston, Bill Russell rightfully has his place among the all-time greats there. That's right, yeah. Big bird, like, hold up, hold, slow down, big fella, slow down, big fella. Pump the brakes, I mean, baby, right? <laughs> yeah. Man, how does a guy win? Because I, I did something on the air last night about, you know, Bill Russell, which, I mean, obviously was warranted. It, his, his passing was all over the place, but the fact that he won uh, 11 championships, he won at one point, was it nine straight? Mm-hmm. Nine straight. Nine straight NBA titles. Now, we all know that it was different than have as many teams, but still, who cares? 11 and nine straight. And then, if you go back to him in college, he won two straight national championships at one point, won 55 straight games in college. And then, between going from college to the NBA, he won a gold medal. Like, this dude, all he did was win. Like, that song, all he did was win, win, win. That is the Bill Russell song. Oh, and by the way, yeah, and also, right, B-Sal? Oh, by the way, he won two national championships at USF in college. Now, look, I understand that USF was a better, you know, better team than they're considered nowadays when it comes to the, you know, when it comes to the, the, you know, the Blue Bloods in college basketball. But still, that is absolutely significant, what he was able to do. And it was a really cool moment, too, last night as the San Francisco Giants took on the Chicago Cubs it was the last game of the night. It was the nationally televised game in Major League Baseball. And the Giants, in a very classy way, had a moment of silence and a remembrance, of course, of Bill Russell, who you know spent uh, his, most of his younger years both in Louisiana 
and in the Bay Area, and that was kind of cool. You being a Bay Area guy, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, people always talk about, like, where do the best basketball players come from, the best athletes, and all that kind of good stuff. The Bay Area, he's from the Bay Area. You know what I mean? Like, he's from the Bay, and uh, that's good that they honored him. I mean, as, as they should, as all the basketball should, I'm glad that they named the award and the, um, the championship round for, uh, for the NBA, they named it the Bill Russell Award. Or was it? No, the MVP in the finals is called the Bill Russell Award. Yes. Right? And that's the one that Steph Curry won. So, yeah, I'm glad that they did that while he was still alive. They kind of gave him his flowers while he was still here. And it's, it's truly a sad day in the world of sports that he passed away, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace. One of the all-time greats in the NBA and an all-around just great man in Bill Russell. want to switch gears with you, Brian, and uh, head, keep it on the hard court. But let's go over the WNBA. Las Vegas Aces get another win yesterday, taking on the Indiana Fever up there at Hinkle Field House, home of the Butler Bulldogs, their fourth win in a row. The usual suspects came out and showed out in the game yesterday as Kelsey Plum, another big-time basketball game ride with 26 points, including 9 at 12 from the field. This isn't some power forward or some center out there, Brian, that's getting buckets. That's This is Kelsey Plum missing three out of her 12 shots from the field at the guard position. We had another solid game, from obviously, from Asia Wilson. And uh, you like the uh, contributions off the bench, too, from Teresa Place, not 13 points off the bench as the Aces get the win and continue to kind of get their mojo back after having that little uh, you know, short run of uh, not being so successful. Uh, your thoughts as far as the Aces, what they are able to do yesterday and, uh, and moving forward? It looks pretty solid for the squad. Man, the Aces are doing their thing. And, and I know that um, a lot of people have said this, and I want to make sure that I, I get it right and moving from here on forth. We've all said that the Aces will end up being the first team to win a, uh, a championship here in Las Vegas. But to kind of make sure that we amend that and say that they are the first um, professional, not professional, but the first major league team to win a championship here in Las Vegas because the Stars baseball team won a championship in Las Vegas. So the first, you know, major league team would be the Aces. And a lot of people feel that that's going to be the case They've been balling out. So, what, five straight games, I think they've won. Um, and then to have Kelsey Plum do what she did last night, the, the Aces are really kind of hitting their stride right when they need to hit their stride. They won that Commissioner's Cup, which is really cool. Chelsea Gray was named the MVP of that, which is very good. I mean, the fact that the point god, the point god got some recognition, <laughs> and it, it, <laughs> it wasn't just Asia and Kelsey Plum. It just shows how balanced the team is, man. Like they're really, they're really coming into their own, and you want to do that at the end of the season, not at the beginning of the season, like when they started off with the eight zero, I believe. And you got to love the cohesiveness, right, of the starting five. I mean, the starting five, it just seems like they click together. Uh, a lot of their strengths you know, offset the weaknesses of other players, and it's a big deal when you get that. And I talked about the likes of De'Erica Hamby, and I've used a lot of references back to my day, in my days as a big-time basketball fan in the 80s and 90s, right? Obviously, I'm a Detroit Pistons guy, so the bad boys, I immediately refer back, and I think about this team, and I think about uh, not the fact that, you know, that the former coach used to be a bad boy, obviously, in Bill Lambeer, which is obvious, 
obvious. But I think about Derek Ahambi, and I've made a lot of comparisons to Dennis Rodman, right? Likes to do the dirty work, the stuff that other people don't want to do. She's kind of that person. I talk about uh, Jackie Young. Even though she's a point guard, I talk about her like she's Joe Dumars because she's very, you know, she seems to be, she's one of those humble women who's not, you know, she's not out there all loud and in your face. She's kind of like Joe Dumars, you know, a laid back yet silent assassin type of player. So I kind of make that comparison as well, too. And then, you know, you have a first year head coach that has high expectations and not just high expectations for her team, but high expectations for herself in Becky Hammond. And you put all that together, and what does it do? It, it turns into a situation that you just described, where they are they they are absolutely in the mix to become the first major league team in Las Vegas to win a championship. Now, look, I'll say it, Brian. I'll say it. All right, look, I understand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I understand. Uh-oh. There are minor league teams here. We love our Las Vegas Aviators. We love our guys, Jim Gemma. We love. We you know we love our. You know, I was a huge proponent of the Las Vegas Wranglers. Used to go to the midnight games and games in between as well, too. Me too. We understand Las Vegas Stars. There's been some pro teams here, but they're minor league no teams. Major league okay? teams. It wasn't yeah, a major league no team. Major league this is a major league. WNBA team is a major league in the United States. This will be a big deal in Vegas. And the fans have already gotten on board. They've already created a great atmosphere down there at Michelob Ultra Arena. So it will be special and it will be super cool if they're able to close the deal. But they got to close the deal and they have a real opportunity this year. A better one, I think, than they've had in years past, even when they've had quality teams, right, Brian, that they had with Bill Lane Beer and Asia Wilson and some of these other teams that have been here. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, it's, it's wild when we talk about that and the fact that the the uh, Aces, they actually played in the WNBA Finals. Yes. <laughs> They've already played in the Finals and they lost. Uh, they got swept by the storm. But, yes, I, I completely agree in the fact that this is the year. They've got a great opportunity. The WNBA wants them to win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, the Las Vegas Aces are the crown jewel franchise of the WNBA. And if they go ahead and win that here, Becky Hammond, you know, comes in, first million-dollar coach, wins it. Las Vegas is the, the, the sports and entertainment capital of the world, like just a popping city. You know what I mean? And it, if, it, if it happens here, whoo, it, it's, going to, it's going to be fantastic. I just want to see a parade down the strip. You know what I mean? Like a, just a, a parade down the strip for the um, for the Aces. That that would be fantastic. That'd be fantastic. And they, they – I. I, I would go ahead and give them better than a 50% chance of winning. Oh, there's no question that that percentage, I would go high, even higher than that because they're, look, I understand there's other quality teams in the Chicago Sky and the Seattle Storm and some others that are that are right there in the mix. But uh, without question, Brian, right, this is the best chance, I think, for this team, oh, yeah. uh, for this franchise oh, yeah. in its short time that it's been here in Las Vegas. Brian Salma joining us here live on Pushing the Limits. He is a uh, the uh, sports director and anchor over at KSNV News 3 here in Las Vegas. This is uh, one of our favorites when it comes to television sports oh, anchors in town. We really appreciate you spending some time. I had to get uh, your take on the, the big news in the NFL today, Brian, obviously, and it comes out of Cleveland with the Cleveland Browns as Deshaun Watson yeah. and uh, disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson has uh, has made the determination the suspension 
for the Cleveland Browns quarterback for the first six games of the 2022 season. Now, the NFL has three days to appeal that suspension. Now, look, there has been media and talking heads across the board reflecting on this over the past, what, three, four, five hours since this news came out. I wanted to get uh, your take on uh, the situation regarding Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, Deshaun Watson getting the six games. Yes. You know, I I think that six games is probably less than what most people thought that he would get. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm thinking that he's kind of thinking his lucky stars and, you know, appealing or whatever. Obviously, it's not going to go down. There's no way they're going to rescind, give him two games back or something. But six games to me, for what has gone on, and he's settled all the cases, I believe, right? So none of them are still pending. All the cases have been settled. There's one case, right? right? Because he settled three. He had th- four more left, and he settled three of them, right? So I believe there's one case still pending. But you're okay. you're right. Yeah, a lot of those cases, from a civil standpoint, have been taken care of. But but Brian, I have to I have to jump in here. I would agree with you. I think the majority of people out there, whether you're just regular Americans or even for football fans, think the sentence is light. They think that it, you know, the uh, sentence, I, should, I call it a sentence, think the suspension <laughs> is light. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I would probably lean towards the possibility that the NFL is going to appeal this and therefore it's still not going to be a resolved issue and he could possibly get more games because I think the sentiment among Americans, especially female fans, right, Brian, uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. football, are not on board with just six games for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of reading through some of this stuff. It says that the NFL recommended that Watson be suspended for the entirety of the season. Yeah, no question. So, they were, yeah, they're trying to get him out. for, And that's what I think a lot of people figured that it would be. So six games, like you're saying, and I'm saying the fact that that seems yeah, – he's probably dancing, you know, on the ceiling like Lionel Richie right now, thinking that, hell, oh, I've yeah. got six games. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I think that that bodes well for him. And, you know, as far as, like, the, the appeal and everything else, I doubt that anything – it'll probably stay exactly where it's at. And as much as the NFL wanted it to be the entire season – they would prefer that their stars, so to speak, play. So there's no way that they're unhappy, for real, for real, the fact that he's going to be playing after six games. You know what I mean? Like They, they want the best product that they can possibly have on the field, and the best product for the NFL as a whole is Deshaun Watson, a man who has not been proved, proven guilty in any court of law. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, ideally, he's an innocent man, you know, trying to uh, work in his profession and the fact that uh, the NFL has the ability to, under the collective bargaining, the ability to suspend somebody because they, you know, do something kind of somewhat detrimental to the league or, you know, embarrassing to the league. You know, give them the six games and, and keep it pushing. Great point, Brian. Look, we're up against it from a time standpoint. Brian, we always appreciate you spending some time and uh, joining us. Have a great week as we get fired up for uh, Raider football on Thursday. Yeah, see, when man, it's, it's, I'm glad to talk to you, man. Anytime I get a chance to talk to you, short notice, long notice, doesn't matter, man. You're my guy, so I appreciate you. Peace out. Big time appreciation. Have a great week, okay? We'll talk to you again soon. All right, buddy. Be good. Thanks, Brian. Brian Salmon.
sports director, News 3. Follow him at Brian News 3, Las Vegas. Thanks to Brian for joining us here. Have a great Monday, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, best of tomorrow with B-Shap pushing the limits on KSHP AM 1400.